to look a lot like Christmas. All right. Welcome this weekend. Glad that you were here uh, on the way into all of our campuses. You're given the notes for the message. And if you'd like to get those out uh, while you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses in uh, Highlands Ranch and Lakewood, Castle Rock, of course, here at Lone Tree. I'd uh, also like to welcome the folks that live stream us right now, those that uh, maybe find it convenient to do so because they're traveling or uh, maybe it just didn't allow them to make it to the actual service this weekend. And then also, let me recognize those that enjoy our post-production. That might be the folks that get the podcast. Maybe they download it a couple of weeks from now. Maybe somebody gives them a DVD or a CD. However you join the JFC family, we're glad that you are, and we want to welcome you uh, into our services this weekend. So the series is called Simple, and it pretty much is just that. We're talking about how to simplify in a very complex world, and in particular, how to simplify in a complex season. Now, before I jump into the message, there's two housekeeping things that I'd like to do. A couple times a year, we offer the chance for people to become members, and a member is not a person who attends. A member is a person who has attended, but then says, hey, you know what? I like it here. I want to put down roots here. I'd like to uh, become a member. It, lay- it raises the level of responsibility that that person enters into. And uh, recently, we went through that, and what we had were about 100 people who became new members at JFC. And so this is the weekend. We just want to take a moment and recognize them. Would you do me a favor? Put your hands together at all of our campuses. Welcome our new members. We really are grateful for them. Matters to us. And I would just say this. Perhaps you're sitting here, and you've been here for a little while, and maybe you recognize, hey, I like the church. I think this is where God wants me. Uh, should I become a member? I, I would encourage you to become a member for this reason. The membership has its privileges. Now, where, where does it have its privileges at? Well, so like in a situation where if you're getting married and you need access to one of the buildings and you're doing it on the same day, you realize weddings take place for the most part in a very short time of year, right? <laughs> Weather's nice. You know what marriage is. We, I mean, you're just like, what is that? So how would we decide, you know, like in a situation like that, I'm just giving you one example, how do we decide? Well, that's where membership becomes handy because we would have to default to the member. We would say, hey, the member is a person who, who has taken it to the next level. It's not just somebody that may need our building. And so those are, it's, it's in things like that to where uh, if you're a member, it can pay dividends for you. But more than anything, I think there's a spiritual entity there. I think it's a spiritual admission of saying, I submit myself to this covering right here. I submit the, myself to these pastors right here. And that would be a reason that I would encourage you to membership. The only other thing that I would share with you is, you know, uh, within uh, a, a relatively short time ago, our son Daniel was married. Uh, still on his honeymoon, he comes home here. I think um, in the next 24 hours or so, we'll, we'll pick him up. Uh, he and Holly, and um, we, we were hoping for any information, like, hey, you know, you haven't, fun- they're in Maui, what a place to go for your honeymoon, and so I just texted him, have you seen anything, and he said no. <laughs> My boy, all right. <laughs> Let's jump into this before it goes any more towards the flesh, all right. 
So we're in the second week on the message called Simple. And if you look at the transition point right here, uh, under the transition, uh, we're going to be talking about simple love. Uh, it's actually under the intro, simple love. And at the transition point, I just put down this sentence, I'm a sucker for great love stories. Now, I, I probably, here, you know, here's the problem with that. A lot of women are like, oh, me too. Uh, I'm not sure that, I will, <laughs> that that's, that's what I would agree with. Actually, here's what I would say. I think that God created every human. If your heart is at all in a place where it can be touched by love, I think every human's a sucker for a great love story. Now, let, me, let me just give you a few examples. I think that one of the ways that God created that to be true is that when heaven comes to earth, when love uh, is able to invade this earth, and we see that in different strategies, different opportunities, I think that people are drawn to that love. Whether they know what to call it or not, whether they can recognize it, whether they can, they can articulate it, I think they're just drawn to that love. I think it's just an automatic. I think that it happens. I put in your notes, you know, like a movie like Casablanca. Not everybody's going to like that movie, but Chris and I are into old movies. I love that movie. I think it tells a great story about a person willing to sacrifice uh, what they want for someone else's greater good. Isn't that really what love is too? It's really for someone else's greater good. It's what God's done for us. Now, I, I, I throw that in there because, you know, throughout Scripture, we have the idea that love does come to this earth, and when it does, we're able to recognize it. So when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, uh, say it with me, because I, I think even if you're not a believer, you probably know it. It begins with this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Just stop right there. I think that it's God's will that heaven invades earth. Do you agree with that right there? Yes. And I think that in particular what God is saying is that the love, not just, not just the theory of heaven, not just the, the, you know, uh, the ethereal idea of heaven, but that the love of God invades the earth. And I think when we see that, it attracts us. It opens our heart. It, it, it draws us to God. And I think it's, a, it, it, it's just a wonderful thing when heaven touches earth. People are drawn to God. I, I remember in a couple of examples, I, I, uh, in, in thinking, where would I, where would I show examples? What, what could I share where people would understand that? I remember a mission trip that I was on uh, early on in ministry, and it was around uh, actually 1994, and we had gone to Romania. Romania at the time had just fallen from communism, and it was wide. Oh, you talk about a place that was just so wide open to the gospel. We would show up in a park, and I'm not exaggerating, three, four, five hundred people would gather around to see what we were doing. And we would present the gospel story through drama. And I made a mistake in that I had ordered Bibles that had been translated into Romanian. And I did not realize that they did not have access to Bibles. So I opened a case of Bible and said, we, we want to give out free Bibles. And people began to run and dive over the table. To, and it actually started a fight. And we had to grab the cases of Bibles and, and run. Now let me ask you a question. If we were to go to Boulder... And I were to say, we're giving away Bibles today in Boulder. How long do you think it would take me to give those away? Maybe a little bit different, huh? I mean, what, a, what an opportunity. When the real love of God, when people, here, here's the deal. When people have not been exposed to it, and in fact been denied it, and it comes, people are attracted to it, folks. They, they'll do whatever it takes to, to see it happen. And I remember while we were there, uh, we were trying to connect with, we did this youth camp. 
And we thought, okay, we'll, we'll put together a youth camp. I have a bunch of youth with me. I was a youth pastor at the time. And I thought, we'll put together this youth camp. And uh, what we'll do, we'll invite youth from all over the country to come to this. And maybe we'll have a couple of hundred kids showed up. Well, uh, what we have are 3,000 kids show up at this camp. So where, where do we house them? They're just sleeping outside. They're, they're, they're you know, and, and they have nothing. They literally have nothing. And I remember one of the kids that I was with, uh, came from a very wealthy family, and this was back in the day when Air Jordans were, you know, if you had a pair of Air Jordans, you were everything. And this kid had on his Air Jordans, and he's playing basketball, and I remember that one of the kids he was playing with saw his tennis shoes, and he pointed at his tennis shoes, and I watched this kid. Uh, it didn't happen instantly. Uh, Jonathan Murley, you were with me. You might remember this. The kid sat down on the ground after about 10 minutes, and he took his shoes off, and he handed them to the kid. You know, he handed a kid a pair of tennis shoes that that kid would have never been able to afford. It was probably more money than his mom and dad made in a year. And he gave his tennis shoes away to that kid right there. And I remember turning away and having to weep. I didn't want the kid to see what he had done in my heart. And I just wept and I wept and I wept. And I looked at that and I saw, look, when love comes to earth, we're attracted to it, yes or no. It just, the bottom line is it just happens. All right, so then we're telling this story, this simple, and we're talking about simple love, and, and I'm trying to connect us to the idea that when God's love invades earth, that's God's will, that his love invades this planet, and that, folks, if we, here, here's the deal. If we could just keep that message without messing that message up, do you realize how many people would be attracted to it? But why is it we have to throw all the pre-qualifiers into it? That it? All right, now first of all, you have to act this way, you have to talk this way, you have to dress this way, you have to do all of these things first, and then you can experience the love of God. And you know God himself never puts those pre-qualifiers on it, does he? God's love is freely available, it's open to all, whosoever will may come, he makes it available. And if the church would just be good at telling that story... Here's the thing, all the other stuff, you may say, well, but, but, but what about the other stuff, Pastor? Is the other stuff important? Is, is the way, are, are, are there things in, in particular lifestyles that are harmful to people? Yes, they are, but let me say this first. How many of you in this room fish? Just, have you ever fished? How many of you have ever eaten fish? <laughs> Folks, help me! <laughs> Come on! All right, my question to you is, do you catch a fish then clean it, or do you try to clean your fish first and then go, that's the fish I want now that it's clean? <laughs> Which, well, how do you do it? Do you catch it and then clean it? I think that Jesus did the exact same thing. I think he never pre-qualified his love. I don't think he ever said, okay, get clean first and then come talk to me. I think whosoever would could, and once the fish was caught, then the opportunity to say, now look, Leave this life of sin because it's killing you. It's killing you. The woman caught in adultery in John 8. He never said to her, did you repent first? What did he do? He looked around and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Her answer is, I see none, neither do I accuse you. But he doesn't stop there. Then he says, now leave your life of sin. Yes, no? Love always has to come first. Love always has to be the pre-qualifier. Why is the church so bad at messing up that simple story? What is it about us that we just feel like we've got to clean the fish first? We've got to make sure they know the rules or else we're, we're just really not getting across the truth. Here's the rule. God loves you and in his love, everything becomes possible. True? True? I mean, look... I, 
I, <laughs> I was so messed up that the only thing that would have helped was love. Yep. Rules did not help. Rules became important once I understood someone loved me. If you're a parent, is this true? Yeah. If you have rules, do you not need to love first before the rules matter? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just the way that it works. All right, so let's take this message then. And let's try to teach a little bit about simple love. That's what I titled it, Simple Love. I'm going to use 1 John 4.19, reads this way. One of the most, look, of all, uh, hey, let me, let, me, let me block this first. Okay, I, know, I want you to watch me. Of all the simple truths of the gospel, of everything that I'm trying to teach right now, this scripture probably encapsulates that truth. And if you could just get this scripture... Everything else can fall into place. Those of you who are so into, yes, but there needs to be change and holiness is important and all of the, it matters, society matters. I, I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying unless the love happens, the rest is just religion. Yeah. And religion, listen, hell is full of religious people. Yeah. Let me try that over here on this side because this is, a very, this is very important. Hell is bust full of religious people whose answer to God was, I did good things, and good things will never get you into heaven. Will they? They'll never get you there. All right, 1 John 4, 19, uh, New King James, only because it removes the these and the thous. It just uses modern vernacular. And, and this is what uh, John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we love him, and then he pre-qualifies it, because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So if I ask the question this way, how many of you love God? You love him, right? So why do you think you love him? So ignore the scripture for a moment. I think we have a lot of, well, I love him because, you know, he was kind to me. Or I love him because, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to heaven. Or I love him because, but the truth of the matter is, and, and this is what it all comes down to. This is what it's always going to come down to. It will never change. The only way that you can love him is because he pursued you first. All right, so when people say things like, and it's been years since I've taught this, but when people say things like, and I understand what they're saying, but they're wrong. They're theologically wrong. I found God. No, you didn't. You did not find God. First of all, you didn't know where to look. Yes, no. Okay, second of all, you're not smart enough. Third of all, you're not fast enough. And that's really not the way that it works. If you love God, it's because God found you and you said yes to God. And that will never change. And if that worked for you and that's the way that it is, then why in the world would the church's mission be anything else except to expose people to the fact that God loves them first, foremost, and then everything else can come after that? Really, our job would be what Paul described in 2 Corinthians, that we present people the opportunity to be reconciled to God. Here's the message. God loves you. God is not counting your sins against you. He has forgiven every sin that you ever committed today, tomorrow, uh, uh, yesterday. He's already forgiven them in Christ. Here's the only thing that's left. Do you want to be friends with God? Let me say that one more time. There, every sin you ever committed... Every sin you're going to commit today and every sin you'll commit tomorrow, Jesus has already died for all those sins, yes or no? They've already been paid for. Listen, if a person goes to hell, do they go to hell because of their sin? Are you sure? Why would a person go to hell? 
here's what it sounds like up here. You think you're answering me. I, I, I know how it works. Why would a person, a person will, if a person ends up separated eternally from God, it's for this reason. At some point in their life, they rejected his love. Sin, Jesus has already died for every sin. And if that's not true, then the Bible lied because the Bible says Jesus never has to come back to die for any sin again. Once and for all, he was nailed to the cross. Every sin was laid upon him. He presented his sacrifice as our high priest to the Lord. The Lord accepted that. All sin was wiped away so that when God looks at us, it is never about no sin will ever stand in the way between you and God. Here's what will stand in the way where you reconciled to him. Did you say yes? So let's say that you sit here tonight and you're like, well, maybe I never got that opportunity. Too late. Because <laughs> you'll never be able to say that you didn't hear it. And really our message, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, that the message of every believer, here's our message. He has given us the message of reconciliation, whereby we do whatever it takes to persuade people to be reconciled to God. Yeah. And any other message is outside of the message God has given us. Isn't that amazing? Why would we mess up that simple message? It works. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, let, theologically, if you wrestle with this, because I did too, I was raised a legalist. And because I was raised a legalist, I was raised with the idea of, of sin, sin, sin. Get the sin out, get the sin out, get the sin out, get the sin out. Well, you can't get the sin out is the problem. You might think you're getting the sin out, but there's sins you don't even know. They're called sins of omission. You're doing things you don't even know that you're doing. And then there's sins of commission, the things that you know that you're doing, but you feel justified in doing them because you're driving next to a jerk. <laughs> right? And even Jesus would be upset about that. <laughs> the sin issues taken care of here, simple Simple, simple love. So in your notes, let's just go down this because really there's only two things that I would teach you tonight. First uh, John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. He loved us first. Now this is important because this reveals the order of the relationship that we have with God, doesn't it? Yes or no? No one in this room pursued God first. Even if you say, one night in my room or one night in my travels or one night in my journey, I decided, man, I need God. No, 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 no. You are making a tragic mistake. God had been tapping on your shoulder for years. My friend, God had been causing your path to cross with his path for years. And all he was waiting for you to do was to recognize that he loves you. So that the day you said yes to him, you didn't do anything that was like brilliant. I found God because God doesn't hide from you. There's a term in the Hebrew called pagah, P-A-G-A, pagah. What does that mean? Paths. And here's, here's how it works out in the Hebrew. God causes us to cross paths with him many times in our lives for this reason, that when we cross paths, he's trying to get us to recognize it's God who has caused us to come to a certain place at a certain time so that we can either say yes or no. What is God's will? He wants you to always say yes. God's will is that you always say yes. However, we're not always ready to say yes, are we? 
Many things get in the way of that, and that's not what the message is about tonight. But the bottom line is just simply that God loves you. And so we have the direction of the relationship. We have the understanding of where the relationship comes from. God is the initiator. God is the, is the author. God is the beginner. God is the one who came up with the idea. You did not come up with the idea. You did not suddenly get smart. You did not have a, 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 a oh, I had a revelation. That is not what happened. That's not the way that it works. He loved us first, which reveals the order of the relationship, so that if he revealed the order of the relationship that we love him because he first loved us, then this is true. God is the initiator and the pursuer of the relationship. And listen to this. He is always going to be the initiator and the pursuer of the relationship between you and him. And while he loves for you to chase him, the truth of the matter is he makes himself available for you to do that by chasing you first. I don't know if you heard what I just said. He loves for you to come after him, but it's only because you're really responding to him. Now, here's a thought, and I want, let me, let me explain to you unconditional love for a moment, because this is something that gets so messed up in church, and it's such a simple message. This is such a simple message. Listen, listen to this good news. You know the gospel means good news, right? Yep. So here's the good news. Listen to this. You didn't do anything to make God chase you. You didn't pray a particular prayer. You didn't put on a nice-looking outfit. You didn't lose weight. <laughs> you didn't say something nice. You didn't suddenly get rid of something in your life that was bothering God. God decided to pursue you because he loves you, and that's called unconditional love. Can you agree with that statement? No, 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 this is really important. I want to show you something really good because this is where it gets messed up for believers. Do you believe that God loves you unconditionally? Do you believe that the only reason that you're in a relationship with him is because he loves you unconditionally? Okay, then this is true also. You can't do anything to make him love you any more or any less. So that if you do, if, if you go to Southeast Asia, and you counsel 10,000 pastors. God does not love you any more than he did if you told him no. Uh, and if you went there and you blew it, he doesn't love you any less than he did before you went there. And why do we struggle with that? Because we have trouble loving that way. Now listen, I'm going to tell you what it is. We create God in our own image. And we're never called to create God in our own image. We must love him as he is. And he loves us perfectly. This, now I want to, let, let me, let's get real about this. So when a man and a woman get married, think of the instruction that God gives to that man. Love your wife the way that Jesus loves you. And some guy's like, oh, you got it. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to actually do that? Listen, be real with me right now. How hard is it to love someone unconditionally? 
Gosh, usually, don't we say this, I love you if, I love you when, I love you, do you love me back? <laughs> yes, no, I mean, that's hard to love someone that way. And I'm going to tell you the truth. All right? You've seen me do this before, I'm going to explain it one more time. It's absolutely impossible for you to hear this message, leave this, this auditorium, uh, leave, leave Lakewood, uh, leave Highlands Ranch, uh, leave, leave, leave any of our places in Castle Rock or a small group or, or, or however. You, it's, it's impossible for you to hear this message, leave and go do that thing. And here's why. Because it's a love that none of us have naturally inside of our hearts. So the only way to do it is this. You must experience it this way all the time so that then you can do it this way when it's required of you. So when I tell this woman, I love you. I mean it with everything in my heart, but sometimes I mean it in a way that's not God's way. Do you understand what I mean by that? Are you following me? I love you to the best of my ability, but that's not the way God wants me to love her. God wants me to love her the way that he loves me. And how does he love me? He never counts my sins against me. Do you know that? God keeps great records on everything but your sin. That was really good news. I mean, you, you don't know how good of news that was. God keeps great records on everything but your sin. Isn't that good news, man? Every, I mean, imagine standing before him and God gets a big smile on his face and he goes, let, let me tell you what you did in 2014 that was so wonderful. And you're like, I for, I'll give you one. I met with my pastor yesterday. Pastors need pastor. I spent four hours with him. The time went by like, I couldn't believe how quick it went by. And I just said, I said, you know, the only time in my life that I ever felt like I did you wrong, and I, and I want to ask, and this is like the 15th time I'm asking him to forgive me. I said, I, in a staff meeting one time, man, I really bowed up against you. I rebelled against you. I, I didn't submit myself to you. You know what my pastor tells me? <laughs> I don't remember you doing that. <laughs> so I said, well, let me remind you. Isn't that how we do it? Isn't that the way that we do it? And so I try to remind him. He goes, I don't remember you doing that ever. He said, here's what I remember. I remember this young guy that came to me that I fell in love with and that I wanted to train because I knew he would do great. And then he said this, did I ever tell you how proud I am of you? Isn't that unconditional love? To not have our sins counted against us. Don't you want to be loved that way? Look at me. Don't you want to be loved that way? Don't you want your spouse to love you that way and your friends to love you that way? Wouldn't it be wonderful if no one could remember the things we do wrong but only the things we do right? Oh my goodness. And is there really love like that? There's really love like that? Who could say no to that love?
How can we mess that message up? What a job we have. What an opportunity we have. You know, if you sit here tonight and perhaps you doubt that there really is love like that, let me give you a great example. Anybody in this room ever had a child? I didn't get this completely until I had a child. <laughs> um, my story, I don't, I don't have uh, much time to tell the story, so let me condense. Um, my father, when he had me, he didn't understand that love. He did, never received this love, and he didn't know how to receive this love. So he loved the only way he knew how from here. And it was a love that came up short. So that when he had me, he rejected me. He left me. And I spent years wondering, what's wrong with me? Why can't somebody love me? Why won't my dad love me? What did I do? What does a baby do? Cry too much? Need too much? And I never understood that. And I carried this thing on my shoulder that then got in the way of relationships, whether I knew it or not. I'm talking to somebody right now, by the way. I was a pariah. I didn't know it. Because I didn't know how to receive this love, and the only one I had was this, which was rejection. So I walked around with this wound of rejection, and because I thought I wasn't worthy of being loved, I let everybody else know there's really no reason to love me. And I got exactly what I gave out. But then, the faithfulness of the Lord. I had a child. One of five. And I held her. In love I never knew. You know, the funny thing about love is no one has to teach you how to love, do they? It's really, actually... The Bible says God puts eternity in our hearts, and part of that eternity is that love. And oh my God, did I love her. <laughs> and I thought instantly, listen, let me tell you healing from rejection. While I believe in counseling, and I believe it's one of the foremost things that God can give us to help us work our way through situations, I pay for counselors. I love my counselors, and I've sought counseling at times in my life when I've been stuck. But let me tell you how God healed me from rejection. I held my child, and I realized it was not a child that was a problem. It was the man who was holding the child who had the problem. And he was unable because he was broken. And when I realized he was broken, not me, I could put into a category of I could actually love him because he was broken and not expect him to not be broken. 
but what did it do for me? I decided to have another one. <laughs> and then another one. And then when we had three, we made it five. Now, you might be going, boy, you're really into kids. No, I'm really into their mother. But, <laughs> but, with every kid came the revelation of I could never do what was done to me. Not because I was any different a kid than what I had, but there was something in me that wasn't broken. And it healed me. It just simply healed me. It made me be able to love. It made me realize nothing's wrong with me. I'm not the broken one. My dad was the broken one. And I was actually able later in life to love my dad even though he was broken. Even though he was broken. That's healing. That's wholeness. That's when nothing can stop you. That's when regardless of your circumstance, you still go forward. You're not broken. So we love him because he loves us. But that verse says he loves us so we love him. So to a re, an initiation, to a chase, to a, I don't know what word you want to use there, to a pursuit, there can only be two responses to any pursuit. There's either yes or there's no. Agreed? There's no in-between. If someone's pursuing you, you either decide, I want to be pursued or I don't want to be pursued. So 34 years ago, it worked this way. I show up at a Sunday school class that I did not want to go to to appease my parents who were Catholics and I could not believe they were even going to a Sunday school class. But I go to a Sunday school class with them. And I meet this woman who says, how old are you? And I tell her, well, I'm 17. And she goes, well, we have a class for 17-year-olds. So I walk down the church into this old basement. And I'm like, I'm going to show everybody in here why I should not be in this class. And I walk into class, and someone forgot to tell me that the most beautiful woman in the world would happen to be there. So I walk into class and I'm like, oh no, I'm in the right place, right time. This is it. No doubt. This is it. And dude, I sit right next to her. And I start talking to her and finding out a little bit about her. And then she goes, uh, hey, we're doing this thing called a lock-in. I'm like, what's a lock-in? She goes, we're going to spend the night at the church. And I'm like, I get to spend the night with you? Now remember, I'm not a believer, okay? Forgive me. But I'm like, I'm in. How do I sign up? I'm in. But the lock-in was the boys were one place and the girls were another, but we did get to play hide-and-go-seek together. Hide-and-go-seek. I'm 17. But I didn't care. I was pursuing like crazy. All right. Let me just give you this story. There was this, like, place we were hiding, and I was sitting right next to her, and I thought, okay, 
I'm going to take a chance. And I'm going to see if she says yes or no to the pursuit. So I grabbed her hand. Now she had two choices, didn't she? If she slapped my hand, what do you think would happen? I'd be your pastor, but I'd be married to somebody else. <laughs> she held my hand and said yes to the pursuit. And that began as a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old who two weeks from yesterday will be married 31 years. 31 years from now. Do you remember? Yeah. Me too. I put it in a term that a human can understand because here's God who is constantly pursuing us. God, through circumstance and situation and life and ups and downs, death, promotions, babies, all the time yelling at us, I'm after you. I want you. And I think he sticks his hand out to see whether or not we want to hold on to it. And I'm going to tell you this. If you slap it away, I don't think he quits. But I don't think the relationship can go forward at that point. I think it waits until God, we grab his hand. Do you agree with that statement? It's just wor unless, unless we say yes, what can he do? But the moment we say yes, I remember going to the mall for the first time with one of my grandkids. We wanted to go see Santa, and there's about 10,000 people there. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm not waiting in this line here. This kid is getting this picture taken, and we're getting home. So I just grab her by the hand, and I just like, here we go. Hang on. And I think the moment we grab his hand, he's kind of like that. Hang on, baby. Watch what happens now. You want to be part of the relationship? And he puts it in high gear, and off we go. So it comes to the end of the message, and I know it's simple, but that's really the name of it, isn't it? And I can't give you a more simple scripture than the one that's given to us. We love him because he first loves us, which speaks of he's the initiator, the pursuer, and we're the responder. So there's only two things to say right now. If you've never said yes to him and he's sticking his hand out to you, do you want relationship with Christ? I didn't ask you if you want to join church. And I didn't ask you if you need religion. And I didn't ask you if you're messed up. And I didn't say to you, hey, do you have all these things going on? I'm asking you if God puts his hand out to you tell you that I love you and I want to know if you want to respond to that what will you say and then the second thing would be this that let's say that many of you have said yes to that boom grabbed it I do love him do you know that one of the things I have discovered in my marriage is that the goal is not longevity only. 
but it is intimacy with longevity. It is to be married a long time and to still be excited about being married a long time. Do you agree with that? That the goal is not let's hit 35 years or 40 years or 50 years. And the goal is what, Justin? To hit 40 or 50 and to be so passionately in love that you couldn't have imagined done anything else with your life. Man, this was it. I know you feel that way. I know you feel that way. Can I reverse this scripture one more time for you? We talk a lot about community around here, and I was thinking this week, how much community am I really having with people? And there were nine instances, nine people that I sat down with face-to-face to pursue them, wanting them to stick their hand back out to me. I actually wrote their names down. My friend Bill, my friend Terry, my friend Jeff, my brother Marcus, one of my best friends in the world, Dan, my brother Steve, Evan, it was only for a few minutes, but I wanted so much. Where are you, buddy? I don't know. He's within, oh, Emily's pregnant, yeah. John Wood, where are you, John Wood? Where are you, buddy? Amy, Pastor John Stalker, and of course my wife. Real community is just taking that scripture and doing it. If this church is ever going to have real community, listen, I'm not against small groups. I'm not against, you know, join something so we can talk about a message. Terry is doing the right thing, and we need that, and it's a place to start. But let me tell you what real community is. It's when you sit across from somebody, and you deeply love them, and you care about what happens to them, and they care about what happens to you, and you're committed to them in a relationship that says... We're not doing this because we go to church together. We just happen to go to church together. But you matter to me, man. You matter to me. That's community. And that is what a believer does. They take that scripture. We love him because he first loved us. If we don't pursue each other in that type of relationship with each other, there's no true community that happens in a church. But if a church ever did that thing, God, you couldn't build buildings big enough. Think about it. You couldn't come up with ways to try to contain the love that people would experience to know. And then someone hears that and thinks, God, can I get on your list to meet with you? And you know, the problem is, that's not church either. It's finding someone that you want to care about and then pursue them. Isn't that doing the scripture? Instead of reading it or just hearing about God doing it, aren't we supposed to do that? 
God, how precious my time was with you last week. So how do you end that message? What will you do with it? What will you do with it? So Father, we open our hearts. And first of all, anyone in this room who has not said yes to the pursuit of God, I give you the chance to right now. Anyone at any of our campuses who's watching right now, anyone who is listening live stream, anyone who is post-production, if you hear me say that God is pursuing you but you've never said yes to them, what is your answer right now? Separate all the other stuff. I'm not asking you any other question. The only question I'm asking you, if God puts his hand out in friendship and love right now, do you want to take it? And if you've never done that and you say, Pastor John, would you please remember me when you pray tonight? I want to give you an opportunity just to say, I just want to facilitate that relationship. Just raise your hand right now. I need God. I just need him. Yep. 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 I'm sure at every one of our campuses, our campus pastors are watching. If you're live streaming right now, we may not see you, but God does, and that's what matters. And if it's post-production and this is what you want, right now, say yes to God. Okay, let me ask the other question. You are in a relationship with God for sure. You put your hand out a long time ago and said yes to his pursuit, but what I said is true. Longevity has become the goal and intimacy has somewhere fallen by the wayside. Do you know what God wants tonight? To renew intimacy with you and for you to renew it with him. He wants you to find passion in that relationship. He wants you to find life in that relationship. He wants you to find all that you need in that relationship. And if you say, Pastor, that's me, then let's just be real before God and say, pray for me because that's where I'm at right now. Raise your hand. Just pray for me. Sure. Bet. I get it. Trust me. Trust me. I get that. The last one I'm not going to have you respond to, I'm just going to ask you if the Holy Spirit speaks to you about taking the scripture and making it real. Literally, finding someone to pursue so that they can say yes to your pursuit. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you about that this week or next week and says that's really what community is about, that's what that, that preacher has been talking about for a long time. And if the Holy Spirit asks if he could use you could use you, lady. Could use you, sir. Could use you, couple, to do that. If he's willing to do that, are you willing to be used by him? You don't need to raise your hand. I'm just asking. Would you pray about that? And if the Lord puts that in your heart, will you start looking around and asking God who this is? Who's this supposed to be with? And let's pursue community in this church. So, Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you for the time that we've had to share this, God. I believe that really the Holy Spirit has said something here. I believe that when your love is talked about and revealed on the earth, God, oh, how we're drawn to it. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, that that never changes. doesn't matter what we do, say, act. It's really your love that changes us and makes us, Father God, who we're supposed to be anyway. 
And God, we just recognize again the great love that you've given to all of us. I thank you for that now, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet, if you will. I want to bless you. I love you. I release you in the name of the Holy Spirit. Have a wonderful weekend, okay? Think about what we talked about. Bye.